hello friends! It has been quite a while. I know. I apologize for being away from your earbuds for so long. There has been quite a lot happening in the life of Daisy Chain Book Company. Um, the Book Truck Chronicles, which most of you have been listening to for quite a while now, is no longer. I know. We do not have the book truck anymore. We have decided to go strictly with the storefront, which we opened in October. So that was a huge change. Um, and I think what was the biggest surprise is that that transition from book truck to bookstore was really, really simple. Of course, it was a lot of work. Don't get me wrong. It was kind of a blitz, but it was really something that I feel like we've been sort of preparing for all along. So when it happened, it was as if we're putting dots at the end of so many sentences that before we're just like dot, dot, dot. We were wondering what to do. All of a sudden, now we know. So now we are the Bookshop Chronicles. It will be very similar as a podcast to the way it was before. We are still going to talk to readers. We're still going to talk to people who are in the reading space, the writing space, people who come into the shop, people who knew the book truck and so forth. And we're going to talk about the behind the scenes of running a bookshop and what the transition was like from a book truck to a bookstore. Um, that's all coming up in future podcast episodes. But for today... Today, I have been holding this episode for a little while and I cannot wait to share it with you. Now, I'm almost embarrassed to say that I have had this conversation in my computer ready to go since October of 2020. You guys, that feels so long ago because, you know, during COVID, the calendar is bananas, right? Like we just do not know what is going on and what day is it today and how long has it been? So it feels like I talked to this reader so long ago. It's just awful. So I had so much fun re-listening to this conversation, and I know you're going to love it. So today's guest is Rick McDonnell. He is such a wonderfully diverse reader. He's fun. He's witty. He's got great recommendations. He has a YouTube channel where he reviews books. And let me tell you, you do not want to miss it. If you have a few minutes and you just want to look for something fun while you get inspired to read your next great book, go to his YouTube channel. You will love it. And he will recommend books to you that you didn't even think about. So you know what? It's, it's such a huge reading world out there. And I just love how Rick really opened my eyes to a lot of titles I had passed up, but never really considered fully until I heard his view of it. And then I thought, yeah, I could give that a go. So Rick was awesome. And I am very excited that you are going to hear this. So get your pen and paper ready because he has a lot of awesome book suggestions for you. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Rick. Okay. So I am so excited to talk with you, Rick, because I have watched so many of your YouTube videos and it is very exciting for me that you are also the first guy to be on my podcast. Oh my God. Are you serious? Yeah. You know what? I shouldn't sound surprised. That's kind of par for the course <laughs> with this little niche of the world, for sure. <laughs> so for anybody who doesn't know, can you tell our readers a little bit about you and what you do? Uh, well, uh, my name is Rick McDonnell, and I spend a good chunk of my free time these days talking about books on YouTube, or BookTube as it's affectionately called there. Um, kind of stumbled into it a little bit. Like I was, I was one of these people who got an English degree and then got a publishing 
certificate thinking I was going to spend the rest of my life kind of talking and living around people who just want to talk about books. And then you fall into kind of a marketing career and there's no one around you who wants to talk about books or even reads books. So um, <laughs> you kind of turn to the internet to find um, a like-minded group of people. And probably eight years ago, I started kind of the book blog thing. Um, and then just kind of fell out of it after a while. And when I came back to it, um, no one was really around doing it anymore, at least in, in the little corner of it that, that I was in. And everyone had kind of gravitated towards YouTube. So I just kind of gave it a shot, like probably two years ago, just on a lark. And here I am two years later, still doing the same thing. It is so awesome. I've watched so many of them and I love, <clears throat> excuse me, I love how your videos are fun and they're techie and you you have lots of unique ways to keep viewers engaged. So it doesn't make books boring. The way you review books is very human. It's very relatable. It's awesome. Well, yeah, well, I hope so. I mean, I think that the thing that sticks out for me, um, at least in the way I do it, is that I, I tend to ramble. So I'm sorry if that happens with your podcast as well. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I seem to not be able to talk about a book for any less than 15 or 20 minutes. And usually people on YouTube do it for, you know, three or four or five minutes. But I just kind of throw caution to the wind and talk about it until I feel like I can't anymore. And then if people want to watch it, then that's on them. But uh, yeah, it seems to be working out so far. <laughs> and you're in good company because yeah. <laughs> this is a rambling podcast. So it's all good. Good. Yeah. I'm a little, I'm a little nervous to try rapid fire. That's not my style at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's okay. I'm pretty loose with the whole rapid fire idea. Oh, so good. if there's any sort of length between them, you you take as much as you like. That's okay. <laughs> that is totally fine. No pressure. So let me ask you a question. How do you pick each episode's topic? Um, you know what? I'm, I'm, it's probably one of the issues I have with, um, with doing the, the YouTube thing is that a lot of people stick to kind of a schedule and there's a lot of kind of floating topics going around that kind of encourages people to kind of, kind of constantly come up with content so that they're not reaching for it. And I don't like to do whatever what else is doing. Um, so I often will kind of float in and out of it where I might not make a video for a month because there's nothing I feel like I really want to talk about because I just, I want to talk about something because I want to talk about it. So it just kind of whatever naturally comes to me, whatever I happen to be reading at the time, um, that's what I tend to talk about. And also that's why I tend to talk about a lot of kind of backlist or older books. I'm not, I'm not a huge, um, kind of get on the, the latest craze kind of book person. So, um, yeah, that, I'm, I'm, I'm a little different that way, but yeah, I just kind of go with the flow and whatever I kind of feel like talking about, I talk about, because part of the, part of it too is I want to have a conversation with people. So it needs to be something that I, I feel kind of invested in. So. Mm -hmm. And I love that the books that you review are not just the current bestsellers everybody else is talking about. The books that you pick yeah. are a little bit backlist. They're fun. They're totally eclectic. And it makes for really good discussion. I noticed that a number of people make comments underneath your your posts. And, and they have a lot of fun things to say, too. And they respond and engage with you because I think probably because you're not saying what everybody else is saying. Right? You are, yeah, you are doing books. that. You're picking unique books. And you're doing it in a fun way. I hope so. There's just, I think there's just two schools of thought with it. I think there's the people who want to be reading whatever's current and they kind of want to be in that conversation. 
and if everyone's reading the same book, there, there is a certain amount of fun to that where like people can all talk about the same thing, which is great. And when I find a book that's new, um, I love being kind of in that hurricane. <laughs> but, um, but at the same time, there's, there's just one of the biggest, I think, tragedies with the book community is that once a book is a year or two old, it kind of just goes into this bin and most people never read it or never talk about it. So a big thing I try to do is just to kind of keep conversations going with books that um, I think we should still be talking about. I agree. I think that's, I think that's really wise. So tell me about um, a couple of books that you especially liked talking about. Oh, um, you know what? One of the biggest surprises of last year was I read Gone with the Wind. And that's a book I never thought I would ever read for a number of reasons. Just like the, the kind of the time period that it's, that it's focused on and kind of the controversy of that book at this, at this point, because it's very much a book of its time. Mm-hmm. I never thought I would. And it's also like 4,000 pages. It's one of the biggest books <laughs> you can ever find. So I never thought I would ever read it. And I just happened to find a gorgeous used copy of it on a trip one time. And I just wanted the book. And then I read it and it ended up being probably the best book I read in 2019. Um, and, and again, I made a, a really long video about it and I've had such interesting conversations about that book just because it's about a topic that none of us are really comfortable talking about, especially now um, with the current kind of political climate. It's, it's an interesting time to talk about that book. Mm-hmm. So that ended up being really fulfilling. A book like... A Little Life by Hani Yanagihara also. Oh. That, that that book, I think, has kind of bonded me to people more than any other book that I've reviewed, I think. I think that's a book that, like, you just find this weird tribe of people who end up loving that book. You kind of either get it or you don't. And the people who really get that book, just I, I feel like it's this connection you make with everybody that, that likes that book. So those two stand out for sure. Oh my, okay. I totally agree with you about A Little Life because mm-hmm. that was a book that when I read it, I had so many emotions overlapping all the time. And I, even though it was a tome and I thought, oh, some parts were hard to read. I don't know if I can continue, but I have to continue with it. When it was over, I feel like I looked around to see, okay, who, who can I talk to about this book? I, I, I can't just leave it sit here and put it back on the shelf. It needs something more for me. It was so it was so well done and it took me to places in that story that were beautiful and hard and complicated and then simple. It was just so great. And I totally agree with what you're saying about how some people get it and some people don't, and that's fine. Different perspectives on the book are valuable, but wow, when somebody comes into the book truck and they see that book, they have this moment where they like clasp their chest and they say, Oh, that mm-hmm. book. <laughs> and I say, I know, I know. Well, I remember talking about in the review, I, I think I remember saying that I think that book could only come out in a time where the internet is a thing because it's a book that you need, when you finish, you need to talk to someone about it. You can't just yeah. like hold that inside. There's too much to just carry on one person. Yeah. So if no one else in your in your life has read that book, you need to find someone at least <laughs> online who can kind of go through that with you. So I'm thankful that I, that, that the internet is around to, to kind of uh, pad the landing on that one. That's for sure. And I'm, I'm curious what you said about Gone with the Wind, because that is one that I have heard from so many people. It's their all-time favorite, or it's the one that they reread and they refer to a lot of people. And you know what? I've had it on my bedside table 
for a long time and I've just never gotten to it. Something else has always been shinier or whatever and jumped at my attention. But I continue to think, okay, that one I really need to give some time to. So now that I've talked to you, I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to bump that one up because I really feel as if that's a book I should have read in my history. Well, I thought it was the most fascinating thing about that book is to enjoy a book that much that you don't agree with at all. <laughs> I think a lot of the time people can conflate, oh, this author's really great because they're talking about things that I also am passionate about. When you have an author talking about things or broaching topics that just make you uncomfortable or you're just completely on this other side of the table with, but you can appreciate just how extraordinarily well done the book is. Um, I, I, I was just blown away with Margaret Mitchell as a writer, just how hooked I was on that book. Here's a good example or how I would best sell this to people. That book is like 900 pages long. Mm-hmm. I read it back to back when I read it. You did. I finished it and I read it again right after. I've never done that with any book ever, I don't think. And this is 900 pages long. So then what was your thought when you read it the second time? What caught you? Um, I was The second time was great because it let me enjoy Mitchell more as a writer because the first time I was so focused on the content and like, oh, oh I'm uncomfortable with this or what do I think about this issue? That's that sort of stuff. You're, you're kind of your back is a little too straight. I find the first time you're reading it because it, you might be a little uncomfortable with it. Good way to but put once, it. Yeah. And once but once I got through it, I kind of knew what it was. Um, and then the second time I could just read it as a story and just see what she was doing as a writer and, and just kind of the character um, connections and how she was, how tightly plotted that book is and just the characterization and how strong it is. It's just, yeah, it's just phenomenal. And have you read the sequel? No, it's one of those things where like <laughs> the sequel couldn't possibly be as good. So I'm terrified. <laughs> Also, I'm just, I'm, I find it so hard. The older I get, the harder finishing any kind of series is for me. Like the, the, I think the, it's very popular to do series now because they sell so well, but like, I don't know, my, my attention span just can't hold up to a lot of series. So I, if I ever finish a three book series of anything, that's as much of a, um, a cosign as I can give <laughs> on that series. <laughs> Yeah, I find it a little bit um, suspicious too when a sequel is written by somebody who was not the original author. So you know yeah. that you know that the yeah. tone is going to be different. They're going to take what they thought was special about that book and then transform it into something else. But they're not going to treat the characters or the themes of the story with the same level of intensity as the author initially did. Yeah, it almost has to be it, like naturally. It'll almost be a commentary on the first book. Yeah, which can be interesting, even whether they're trying to do that or not. But like, yeah, it's either going to be really great or you're going to wish you never picked it up. It's, <laughs> it's, it's true. It's true. I was very nervous because Anne of Green Gables, when I was younger, was such a special book for me. And as I read the whole series, and I, I mean, the movies and rereading it over and over, and a very sad, disappointing trip to PEI after was terrible. Um, but <laughs> I, I was so excited. And then I heard Marilla of Green Gables was coming out. And of course, Ella Montgomery did not write it. Mm-hmm. So I waited a long time before I heard a lot of reviews. I kind of let it sit in the public eye before 
I decided, okay, is it worth jumping in? Because if she tarnishes a character that I think is so special, I'm going to be very upset. Right. And it ended up being quite a lovely honoring book, which I'm so grateful that I read. Yeah, that kind of reminds me. It's not exactly a sequel, but I felt the exact same way when I read Wicked for the first time. Okay, yeah. The Wizard of Oz, like, I, that might be the most cherished movie of my whole life. Like, I was obsessed with it as a kid, and when, when Wicked came out, it was like everything I wanted to read. I was so excited about it, but I was so nervous that it was just going to ruin my childhood, as they say. Um, and it ended up being, it's one of my favorite books ever. It's, it's unbelievable how... How good that book is. Yeah, I think that when an author really has a special voice and obviously a love for the original text, they can do something with it that is magical and it is special in its own right. Of course, it's not going to be the same as the original. Of course not. But when they can honor it well, you can share in that with them, which is good. Yeah. Yeah, I'm very for it. I, I love when things kind of go into uh, public domain and other authors can kind of play on old stories. I, I do love that that happens because like, oh yeah, you're going to get some, some clunkers out of it, but you'll also get some stuff that's just so beautiful and reverent and just honors the original in this way that you, you didn't really expect. So yeah, it ends up being quite beautiful, I think. Yeah. Now, Rick, do you have a favorite genre that you kind of go to on a regular basis or do you dance around all the genres just for, you know, buffet sake? I dance around a little bit um, just because I, yeah, I do get bored easily. I stick mostly to probably literary fiction more than anything else. Um, it's funny though, like I've, I've been realizing lately that I've, I've always fashioned myself a big fan of fantasy and science fiction. And then I was going through my books the other day and I don't think it even makes up 10% of what I own and read. So <laughs> it's funny, like, but the, like fantasy for me, when it hits, hard it's like it's my favorite book in the world but i think 90 percent of it is just garbage <laughs> like when it's done really well it's it's amazing but most of it is not done to my liking <laughs> no i think i think there's a lot of um sci-fi and fantasy fans who they dance very carefully around some of the books because they know that okay these ones are not worth my time and this one is awful and they kind of just navigate with such tenderness because not every book is going to be great, well, like in any genre, but I think there's such a dedicated audience in that specific genre that is so loyal. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Yeah, you really notice that actually when when you go to YouTube. There's some people who like just uniformly just read a certain genre. And like, you know, if it works for people, I have no problem with it. I just, I can't, I don't know how people manage to do that. It's like, I get, I just get so bored so easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, good for them. They have more fortitude than I do. <laughs> <laughs> My grandmother was pretty famous for reading Harlequin romances. Oh, yeah. And she would read a couple a day. And so when I was quite young, probably, of course, far too young to read these books, I picked one up to see what was the appeal. And I read a number of them, and I very quickly discovered the pattern. And I could anticipate, oh, here they're going to fight, here they're going to make up, here, like, all of it. Right. And then there was no, there was nothing exciting about it. But when I asked her about it, she said, I always know what I'm going to get and I'm never disappointed. Hmm. I thought, oh, okay. I never thought of it that way. Because it's funny though, because like, yeah, someone says that and you think like, yeah, that sounds boring. And yet at the same time, I'll sit down and watch a sitcom 
all the time and it's the very it's it's very similar you know it's probably going to work out in the end you kind of know where the jokes are but it's still so enjoyable at the same time oh absolutely absolutely and i think that's probably one of the reasons why there are certain genres that we go to because we know what we're going to get even though we're hoping it can surprise us a little bit along the way we know what what song we're going to dance to you know it's going to be very familiar even if maybe this author does it in a different way or they add a different theme to it somehow but pretty much any genre is pretty predictable in terms of what you're going to get and it's funny though, like the I say that I I don't read as much fantasy as I think. It's it's strangely because I actually love genre tropes. I think that's why I'm coming to the genre because I do like I do like the pattern of it. Um, and it's it, I tend to like the ones who stick to classic tropes but put a little bit of a spin on it. It's the ones that try to do something too different that I actually don't respond to. So I don't know if that's just like it's built into you at a certain age when you're young and that type of book is what you're, you keep looking for. You, you keep trying to find it again. Yeah, actually, that's a good point. When I did a children's literature course, they were they were teaching us that one of the things that children's literature does so well for children is it teaches them anticipation. So they know that, you know, the bad guy is always going to lose. The good guy is always going to win. There are certain things they just feel comfortable in so they can sort of navigate stories and all the different things that are offered to them with a feeling of familiarity and they don't have any anxiety about it because they just know, oh, in this story, okay, it's all going to work out fine. That's fascinating. It's kind of like, yeah, teaching them pattern recognition. Too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's funny. I, yeah, I went to uh... – Ryerson University a little over a decade ago when I was studying publishing there and I remember um, one of my like I, I mentioned this because you mentioned the Harlequin thing one of my professors brought up Harlequin and, and the room kind of chuckled and it was a man teaching the course and he kind of stopped people and I remember him giving this big wonderful soliloquy about how extraordinarily well run Harlequin romance is mm-hmm. and how like the the, the the company that produces them does such a good job. They're one of the kind of strongest publishing houses you can find because they really know what they're doing. They really get their audience and they do it really, really well. So I thought that was really interesting. I expected a professor to kind of like slam that type of book, but he had nothing but reverence for that. For those people. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's an interesting thing that after the pandemic started, um, people wanted more comfort reads. They weren't up for a lot of the dark, heavy stuff because the world was already feeling chaotic enough. And so romance books shot up in popularity like they haven't seen in a long time because there was that comfort level, that predictability, um, the happy ending, if you will. That's interesting. That doesn't surprise me at all. I'm feeling it now. I'm feeling that I've reread a lot of books this summer because I just want – I want something I know that I'm going to kind of sink into. It's true. And how, so how else has your reading life changed during the pandemic besides rereading familiar favorites? Um, yeah, I remember at the start of it, it was hard. It was very, it was weird, and which is, is strange because I ended up getting temporarily laid off for a couple of months at the start of it. So all I, I was just positively made of time for like a couple of months. So I <laughs> you'd think like looking back, like that's going to be like the best uh, reading experience of your life, but um, it, it didn't work out that way. It was just such a weird, unsettling time in the spring, especially, and reading was was difficult. And like, it, I was by no means like an outlier for that. Everybody I know, um, kind of in the online book community, it was it was a tricky time for people. 
um, people just didn't feel like reading or any reading that you wanted to do. It was online, just figuring out how the world was working that day. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and it was constantly putting you into a funk, into a funk. And I, I don't read well when I'm not in a good mood. So <laughs> I kind of had to, um, transcend that a little bit. And, and by the time the summer rolled around, I think I was in a bit of a, more of a role, but, uh, yeah, it's been tricky. And even the last couple of months, like, uh, has been, I've been reading a lot, but I haven't really in, been enjoying what I've been picking up. So it's been a bit of a, a little bit of a reading funk the last month or two, but it's happened. Yeah. You know, I've noticed the same thing. I thought I was going to read so much and I was going to cross things off my TBR like mad. This did not happen. And then the books that I did read were disappointingly like three stars, two stars. I was waiting yeah. for that one book that was just going to make it all worthwhile my reading time, all of it, just all the bad books can just be forgotten because here's this one book that just was a shining light. And it, oh my gosh, it was so disappointing. I was happy to, every summer, a group of us online, we do something called the 20 books of summer. So you, you basically uh, have about three months to finish and review 20 books. Um, so at least I had that to kind of propel me forward and keep keep me focused on something. So I was happy to have that going. Um, Cause if I didn't have that, I, I I'm sure I would have read a lot less than I did. Yeah. Yeah. Having accountability is really helpful because sometimes honestly the world, especially when the world is demanding so much of your attention and your anxiety and all of that stuff, reading can be something that goes in the back burner when honestly it is so healthy and so good for you to take that time to sit and read almost anything. It, it doesn't matter what the genre is that you pick up, but when you sit and you read, your body kicks into a whole different mode and it's so calming and it's so engaging, especially when the world is in chaos. Well, yeah, with the chaos, it almost felt like at a certain point you almost needed to give yourself permission to read mm -hmm. um, or permission to enjoy reading. It just, it, it weirdly some days it just felt like this, selfish act when there's so much craziness going on in the world that you're, you you kind of want to participate in it but you know there's there's a fine line between you know self-care and caring for the rest of the world then you have to kind of find where the line is oh i totally agree i totally agree okay so are you are you about ready for a rapid fire i think so yeah okay i'll go easy <laughs> on you i promise <laughs> okay who is an author that you'd most like to have coffee with? Um, does alive or dead matter? No. Uh, I would say Edith Wharton. Oh, cool. Which fictional world or time period would you like to spend a weekend in? I would love to give a more interesting or nuanced answer than Star Wars, but uh, <laughs> I'm such a lifelong fan of it. Any other answer I gave you would be just a total lie. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That one hasn't been said in this podcast before, so that's very awesome. That's because I'm the first boy you've had on. <laughs> <laughs> Name a book that has changed how you see the world. Oh, that's a fascinating question. Um, I would say Meditations by Marcus Aurelius. That might be the wisest single author book that's ever been published. It's just phenomenal. What a fantastic choice. Mm -hmm. What is a book that broke your heart? Oh, that has to be a little life. Um, that book didn't just break my heart. It just, it shattered it into a thousand pieces and scattered it to the winds, never to be seen again. Yeah. Have you read that book again after reading it the first time? 
No, I, I've, I've firmly stated after I read it, and I, I stick to that now, that's a book I will never read again in my whole life. I'm positive. Um, that awesome. is just, it is too, I'm never will want to like willfully be that sad ever again. Mm-hmm. I felt the same way. I knew when I finished it that that was my one time with that book. I'm actually happy. That's the book I'm happiest that I made a video about because if I ever want to kind of revisit it, I can watch that video again and just it's it's me talking about it for 25 minutes and that's th- that's all I'm going to need from it. It's me talking about like the the parts that meant the most to me or the passages that meant the most to me or kind of discussing some things that I don't want to forget. So that's such a great touchstone for me that I can go and relive it without having to literally relive it. Oh, what a great idea. Now, for anybody who's listening who does not know what this YouTube channel is, do not worry. I will put a link to it in the show notes so you can go and you can watch all of Rick's videos and especially the one about a little life. It's awesome. I appreciate that. So if the story of your life were made into a film, Rick, who would play you? Um, If you could allow for a little bit of time travel magic on this, uh, it would have to be a young Matthew Perry, because I basically modeled my entire personality around him when I was young. So that's, I think that's only fair. (laughs) That's so funny. Okay. I can see that similarity. That's awesome. Um, What is a book that didn't live up to its hype? Uh, Ready Player One. And what is a book that wasn't hyped enough? Oh, I'm going to go with a local favorite on this one for me. Um, Every Blade of Grass by Thomas Wharton. Thomas Wharton is from Edmonton, and I, I'm pretty sure he self-published this book almost more as an exercise for him to kind of see what that side of the business was like. And as a result, it had a much smaller print run, didn't have a huge marketing campaign around it. And I just I just really wish he picked another book to do that with because this book is so beautiful. If you like epistolary novels, it's one of the most beautiful books you'll ever read. And almost no one has read it, and it's, it's just such a shame to me. Mm. I have not heard of this one. I will look for it, though. That sounds very intriguing. Please do. You would love it. What is a book that should never be made into a film? Oh, wow. Um, I'm trying to think of a book that someone would conceivably want to make into a film, but I wouldn't like it. You know what? I'm going to say Wicked um, because I I bet the temptation to make that into a movie is so strong with The Wizard of Oz being so popular and the the musical being so popular, but I think, I think a movie would lose so much of the charm and the nuance of that book that I think it's a bad idea. It would, I think it would make a billion dollars uh, <laughs> in terms of like translating it. Well, I don't, I don't, I can't see someone nailing it. Ho- you know what? Hopefully someone does. It would be amazing, but I wouldn't risk it. Good call. What is a screen adaptation that's actually better than the book? The Count of Monte Cristo. <laughs> okay. What is the last book you stopped reading? Um, probably Autumn by Ali Smith. Uh, that was a book I, like five pages in, I could just tell I wasn't ready for it. So I put it down. Um, I'm sure I'll go back to it at another point, but I'm a big proponent that books will come to you at the right time or they should come to you at the right time. So I'm definitely not going to give up on it, but it just, it, it definitely wasn't the right time for me. Yeah, I call that book serendipity. When there's a book that maybe has been sitting there for a while yeah. and you haven't touched, and then when you pick it up, it is the exact right time for that book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, perfect. What was the last book you bought? The Glass Hotel by Emily St. John Mandel. And what was the last book someone gave you? 
ironically, people don't lend me books very often. Um, I think, yeah, I think people are weirdly intimidated that I'm going to hate on a book that they love <laughs> or review it and put it on the internet forever. <laughs> um, the last book that I can think of is probably Dune. Um, and that was, yeah, a couple of years ago. Okay. What was the last book that you reread? Oh, I'm, I'm a big rereader. So this is, I love this question. Um, I would, I think it's Skippy Dies by Paul Murray. Okay. Last book you suggested to someone. That would be another local favorite of mine, The Shore Girl by Fran Kimmel. And the last book you posted a picture of. Uh, oh, I hope I don't have to bring up Instagram to remember that. <laughs> I think that uh, I think it's Putney by Safka Zinoviev. Okay. And what book are you reading right now? I'm reading a couple, which I tend to do, but the book that I'm finishing right now is called Solitude by Michael Harris. Uh, if anybody is remotely kind of troubled about their life on the internet or social media and how that's kind of taking over our lives and that we're not we're not by ourselves enough anymore, especially with our phones. Read Solitude. It's it's so good. Okay. I've literally just written that one down. Hmm. What is it? It's also, great, um, it's also a great audiobook. What is it? Audiobook person, yes. Is it with a really good narrator? Because that makes all yeah, the difference. Yeah, it, yeah, it's great. Okay, good. What is the next book you can't wait to start? Oh, that's easy. That's uh, Consent by Annabelle Lyon. She's one of my favorite Canlit authors, and she hasn't put out a book in about eight years. And it comes out any day now. So I'm just, I could not be more excited oh, for it. Oh, that's cool. Mm -hmm. Do you know what it's about? I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm willingly going into it completely blind <laughs> on purpose. That's a good idea. Yeah. Who is the best literary villain? Um, Lucifer, uh, Lucifer from Paradise Lost by a mile mm -hmm. uh, i think the best villains are the ones that make you believe like even for a second that they might actually be the hero of the story and the the fact that john milton did that for me with literally the devil mm -hmm. <laughs> is like one of the most impressive kind of authorial feats ever it's it, I, I can't believe what he accomplished with that book it's unbelievable name the first three books that come to mind like any three books? Yeah, any three books. Oh, um, <laughs> uh, oh God, this is such a weird exercise. <laughs> um, the Brothers K by David James Duncan. Um, Ethan Frome by Edith Wharton. And um, I'll say Ohio by Stephen Markley. Okay. Ebook or tree book? Tree book every time. Borrow or buy? Buy every time. <laughs> <laughs> Weirdest thing you've used as a bookmark? Um, I use the a, a napkin, an unused napkin, I should say, <laughs> um, for from my first date with my wife. Um, so I used that as a bookmark for a couple of weeks, and then I kind of put it aside and saved it, and then eventually I ended up writing my wedding vows on that napkin. So. That's a very special napkin for me. That is a beautiful story. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> what is your favorite place to read? On the bus. Oh, good. Yeah. A book you loaned out and never got back. Uh, just as people typically don't lend books to me, they also don't typically take books from me. <laughs> I don't know why. I wish people did. I've got like this nice little library in my house. I, I wish people would use it more, but... 
the last one I can really think of, um, this was a couple of, this was years ago, but a, a good friend of mine borrowed the hardcover copy of a dance with dragons from George R. R. Martin, like a, a couple of weeks after it had come out. And he's a pretty fast reader, but he wasn't giving the book back to me for months. And I was really confused. It's like, why is it taking him so long to read this book? He must not like it. And then he eventually gives it back after all my pestering. And it had this gigantic wine stain over the entire book. Oh. And it was completely ruined. No. Um, we're not friends anymore. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Actually, it, it's not for that reason. We just, he happened to move away. But, but it's probably the best. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> what is a book you borrowed and never returned? I borrowed a gorgeous copy of the Odyssey from the library a couple of years ago. And I thought the cover was so striking that I just didn't want to give it back. So I just gladly let them charge me for the book and I kept it. <laughs> <laughs> That's creative shopping right there. Yeah. Yeah. What is the, um, oh no, I asked that question. How do you organize your bookshelves? Uh, up until a few months ago, it's always been alphabetical by author last name. Um, but I, I just got a new set of bookshelves and we have them in our living room and they just kind of make such a nice centerpiece to the room that my wife convinced me to the first for the first time to organize them by color just to make it look um, kind of nice. And I'm, I'm, I fought against it for so long, but I'm so happy that I did because it ends up looking gorgeous. I, it, I, I fight against it every now and then because it's hard to find books sometimes. Um, but it looks fantastic, so I can't falter for it. I saw that in one of your videos, and I, I have to yeah. admit, I was a little distracted. I was looking behind you at how you blended the colors and how nice it looked. <laughs> I had to yeah. rewind again to hear what you said again because I didn't hear. <laughs> I was watching your bookshelves. <laughs> yeah, I kind of just stare at it every now and then. It's nice. I tried to do that in our last house, and... And then I said to my husband, I said, okay, I have to go to the bookstore. He said, how can you be playing with all your books and then have to go to the bookstore? What could you possibly need? And I said, I don't have enough yellow covers. <laughs> <laughs> I was looking a little sparse. I was like pleasantly surprised that my books are somewhat evenly spread out amongst the color. Like I was, yeah, I was afraid that one was really going to dominate over the other, but it's weirdly fairly symmetrical. I was surprised. And now do you take the jacket covers off or do you like to leave the jacket covers on your books? I, I always leave the jacket cover on, but I read it without them. Oh, good to know. Okay. Um, what is the thickest book on your shelf? Physically, the thickest book is probably The Instructions by Adam Levin. But I think the longest book that I have is The Green Angel Tower by Tad Williams, which, a little bit of trivia, I think is one of the long, like 25 longest books that's ever been written. Really? I, I learned that recently. Holy cow. Yeah. He couldn't split that up into two books or something? Actually, weirdly, when it when it came out in hardcover, it was one book. But when they put it into um, – when the paperback came out, they had to split it into two books because the paperback hmm. couldn't survive <laughs> as, as one book. It was so long. Holy cow. Yeah. Well, I can barely write a grocery list most days. I am so enamored by people who can tell a story that's that long and that readable because I, I just don't have it. That that's also the third book in a series, so... <laughs> oh, my word. Oh, my yeah. word. Basically, he wrote four books. He just calls it three books. <laughs> yeah. What is your favorite word? Archipelago. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> I think it's just fun to say. <laughs> <laughs> what do you drink while reading? 
If I'm drinking anything, it's probably carbonated water. Um, but usually it's just nothing. I'm not a big coffee or tea drinker or anything like that. So it's typically just me and a book. Cool. And how many books did you read last year? Last year is actually the first year in probably 10 years that I didn't use Goodreads to track how many books I was reading. Um, so this is an unreliable answer for you, but <laughs> I, I kind of did my own tracking um, with like spreadsheets and stuff. And I, I think the number is around 68, but give or take a few books. That's pretty good. Yeah. That's pretty good. And Rick, you just completed the Rapid Fire 30. Look at that. That, that, was, that was harmless. See? Not so bad. Not so bad at all. <laughs> well, thank you so much for spending time with me and talking about books and your awesome YouTube channel that reviews the most eclectic titles. Honestly, from local to bestsellers to backlist, all genres, you have figured it out, my friend. You really have. Well, thank you. That means a lot. And thank you so much for, you know, having the, the podcast and the book truck and just everything you do to spread reading around. It's, I, I just, I'm so thankful for what you do. And congratulations on the store. I can't wait to go and see it. Um, I was seeing some photos of it the other day and I was just aesthetically it matches what you're doing in the truck so much it made me so happy thanks <laughs> the larger version of what you do in the book truck it's wonderful yeah it's it's about we figured um a little over 20 times bigger than the book truck so oh it is God. it is staggering in and it's overwhelming i'm i feel emotionally overwhelmed almost every day I but bet. yeah when you walk through the doors i cannot wait to see you in there because it will be so fun and it's you you have such an uh, interesting location i love where you put the store i think it's such a great area of the city that doesn't have something like that. So agreed. Yeah. I know it was, um, we're so grateful to be there. It just worked out beautifully. Yeah. It's the last couple of days. You must be just freaking out. <laughs> I am. I am freaking out a little bit. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> it's going to go great. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Thanks. Well, and when you definitely have cultivated enough of an audience that I think you're going to be totally fine. Thanks. Yeah, I hope so. And I'm excited to learn from other people about other books that I have not yet discovered and will tempt me all the time because that's one of the most fun parts about being a bookseller is not just the books that you share with other people, but the books that they share with you. So my TBR grows all the time because of other people's recommendations and what they love to read. And I mean, I watched your YouTube videos and I made lists of books I'd never heard of before. People who live in my own city, I mean, places I've never even thought of looking for books. And it's just so exciting to get that kind of reach in my reading life. So thank you for what you're doing as well, because it's contributing so nicely to a bookish conversation that really in times like this, we need to have. I think so. And I th yeah, thank you for saying that. And I just, yeah, it's funny how, how, how many books out there that you haven't read. It's kind of, it's kind of staggering sometimes and how many good books out there that you haven't read. And sometimes I feel like I've already read all my favorite books and then people will suggest something to you and you'll read it and you're like, how did I not know that this existed? And the idea that your favorite book in the world, you probably haven't read it yet just kind of keeps me going. Oh, I think the same thing. Every time I open yeah. a new one, I wonder, is this going to be it? Is it you? Are you going to be the one? Yeah, yeah I, I love it. And I love your enthusiasm for all the stories. So keep the YouTube channel going. You're doing awesome. And when you come into the store, I'll be very excited to see you. I will be one of the first ones there. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> okay, thanks, You're welcome. Thanks, Rick. Friend, I'm so glad that you were here to listen to this. I have missed you. 
It has been a long three months, but we are back. We have got a lot of fun things planned for the podcast, and I cannot wait to talk with you more. So, so, I hope you're doing well. I hope that COVID has not hit your life too, too hard, and that um, you have been reading some amazing books in the last little while. If you've been reading some great books you want to tell me about, please send me a message. Send me an email at brandy, B-R-A-N-D-I, at daisychainbook.co. I would love to hear what you're reading. And as always, if you like the podcast, please leave your comments, leave a review, and tell people about it so that other people in the world can hear about all the great books that are waiting for them to be discovered. So as always, have a great week, friends, and I will talk to you soon. Bye! Bye!